Welcome everybody back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts and today I am joined by two friends of mine, people that I respect a lot, Lucas Kaplan, Alex Sturm. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing pretty well, man. Uh, that was the longest regular season we've had in three years and uh, it felt even longer than that. But man, the playoffs are here, best time of the year. Um and I'm really psyched to both watch and observe some more uh, some more critical basketball, let's say, than what's been played in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, doing great. Ready for some critical basketball. That's a great term. And we have a total of one day between regular season and postseason, which is which is great. Let's go right into it. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> we're we're previewing the playing game today. Uh, just disclaimer. And we were talking about it like off air a little bit. It kind of also feels like a regular season game. Like I, I think it'll feel different when we're there. Lucas, you just brought that up, and I agree. Uh, but yeah, today, like coming into this game, I have the same level of excitement that I'd have for like, I don't know, Nets Cavs last Friday, like that. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of ten percent, maybe Nets, maybe like a Nets, um, like a Nets Celtics regular season game. You know, a little. A little more, a little more. I don't know if I could get there, man. It's um, oh, nope. Jared Allen was just rolled out a couple seconds ago, so that that kind of that kind of ended my enthusiasm a little bit. Um, all right, well, let's get started with this. First off, uh, I think like if, what like we'll start here. Like, what are you watching for tomorrow? We'll start with Alec. Well, I think like you said, this is a game that's not dissimilar from a lot of games we've been watching in recent weeks. The Nets have had must-win games against inferior opponents for like six, seven games at this point, and it's another one. It's another must-win because you don't win and your season's one game from being over. So I'm just looking for, honestly, a repeat of Friday's rematch against the Cavs. Can Kevin Durant generate a little bit of downhill pressure? Can they stay afloat and not collapse in the third quarter again? We've now seen two straight third-quarter collapses can they maybe even put away Cleveland in the first half? That would be awesome. Rest isn't as important as it's been recently because the Nets are going to have, like, I think it's four or five days until the first round on Sunday, assuming they win at least one of these play-in games and assuming they win Tuesday. But closing out the Cavs is of utmost importance still. Yeah, on a similar note, we talked about um, this team kind of having the switch mentality, even though – whether or not they've earned that has been a little bit questionable. And we've seen certainly lapses in effort or focus or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they come out and maintain that intensity. I mean, even in that Pacers game, we saw them come out sharp, focused, a pretty pretty well executed first half aside from a couple of iffy transition defense moments. And then in the third quarter, like Alec alluded to, they let their foot off the gas and the Cavs, Allen or not are a much better opponent than the Pacers. And in a one game scenario, you can't let that happen. Um, One thing that's interesting about the Cavs, not to look too far ahead, is that the offense is a little bit dissimilar from potential opponents. You have your small lead creator, a ton of high pick and roll, whereas hypothetically the Celtics, Bucks, yeah, Drew Holiday, even like Marcus Smart, you know, high pick and roll. That's not really the focal point of those two teams' offenses. So I think 
one thing I'm really looking for is if you're assuming Bruce Brown starts on Garland, it'll be a big, big matchup to watch. Um, so I'm pretty interested to look at that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna build off that. I rewatched the Nets-Cavs uh, game today. Like, I got to be honest, like, there just wasn't that much that I pulled from that game. It kind of felt like the Nets just rolled out what they normally do, and the Cavs were just trying to keep pace for most part. Um, you know, Garland was exceptional in that game, and I think a big part of that was, like, he got his playing against Andre Drummond, who was dropped back a little bit more. Um, that's really, I mean, I, like, you talk about the conference right now. Like Trey Young's probably the only other guy that I can really think of that's gonna like hunt you and hurt you from that in between range. So I'm actually looking at this matchup for the Nets. You know, we talk about centers. I feel like we've been doing that since this team really, you know, brought aboard Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge. Like all these centers, it's just been. It's always my focal point. I feel like, um, but I, I I think this is a pretty good Claxton matchup. If I'm Cleveland, though, I'm attacking the Nets and trying to just get every single offensive board that we can. Um, and just playing as physical as possible. That was in large part how the Cavs kind of got back in that game is that they would post up smalls and stuff like that. So um, I, I think that's going to be Cleveland's avenue to winning. They kind of have to Milwaukee Bucks it. The problem is they, they're they smaller now. Like they're just in losing Jared Allen. You kind of watch them and you're like, all right, you know, all of a sudden Evan Mobley is like, sometimes he's your five. If not, he's your four next to, you know, I don't know, like Kevin Love. Moses Brown got minutes. So it's like, it's it's tricky. Like you lose. Obviously, Jared Allen was exceptional this year, and like losing him, not only you lose his talent, but you also lose like that vertical space and just generally a little bit of size to make the Nets work in ways that they wouldn't necessarily have to do. And a pick and roll threat, obviously, for Garland. You know, Matt. I think it's funny you talk about like Darius Garland getting like easy ones, easy floaters, curling around screens, operating high pick and roll against Drummond. And then next thing you know, he's hitting threes, multiple feet behind the arc, like contested, fading away. And you're like, how was he doing these things? Because the other two point guards who can do that and who have done that to the Nets this year are the other two point guards in the plane, which is Trey Young and LaMelo Ball, who have killed Andre Drummond with floaters. And the next thing you know, they're hitting super deep threes. So yeah, probably a Claxton matchup. I'm really close to thinking almost everything is a Claxton matchup at this point, but Drummond still has value. I'm sure we'll get to that future days not milwaukee <laughs> no, no not milwaukee milwaukee <laughs> is the big big exception there and i i think what lucas says is also really interesting about them flipping a switch or them thinking that they can flipping they can flip a switch the nets because we've never seen in our two years of the kd Kyrie era this playing game we've never seen this before so does kevin durant play like he did against the pacers where he pretended tj mcconnell was a fan or or is he going to amp it up like it's a playoff game? Is Steve Nash going to roll him out for 46 minutes? We don't know. We don't know how they mentally prepare for this kind of playing game. The minutes have been so outlandish recently. Like, just having to play KD in some of these games 40 minutes is just, I. it hurts my soul. It's hurt my soul since, like, you know, naturally started taking over. I remember, like, those first couple of weeks where it was like, oh, Oh, it was actually, you know what? It was right after he had uh, health and safety protocols. I feel like he didn't he just play like 40 right when he got back. And it was yeah. like, all right, I see we just don't ramp up for KD at all. <laughs> it's like he's the only guy on the team who doesn't have to do this. Uh, so I'm watching that. You know, I think that's something just over the course of the playoffs uh, that is uh, just hopefully something that KD's able to handle. Yeah, you know, I remember potting with. Maybe you like two years ago. I think the start of the Nash 
KD era after KD's, you know, off year because of the Achilles. And this is when the Nets were much more um, load management focused and they'd give their guys a few nights off. And I made the point, like, I actually like them playing less games in the regular season, but a higher minutes load. And I meant like, you know, 36, 37 minutes a night because I thought that simulated a little bit more of a playoff environment while the load management would keep their season minute totals relatively, you know, normal. I did not anticipate looking a year and a half into the future and seeing 42, 41, 40, 43 minutes for a guy like KD. So that'll be really interesting. And it's another reason why this game is so huge, you know, not just that it's winning in, but this is three off days, I believe. I believe the first round would start Saturday. You win this game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, off versus just being a continuation of the regular season if you lose another game after one day off. So it's, I mean, obviously it's silly to say how pivotal this game is, but there are more than one reason why that's true. I remember at the end of last year, people made the argument that like, yeah, yeah, they've been playing really high minute loads like Katie and Kyrie and Harden. But if you look at their total minutes played this year, like it's really not that bad. They don't, they're not too high. No one's even tried that this year. Like, no. even though Katie's missed a bunch of time to injury, everyone knows it's ridiculous. The minutes, there's no point even arguing. And yeah, I think I think the NBA announced at like midnight last night that the Nets would play Sunday. If, oh, um, Sunday. Yep. If yeah, they, they, they got tomorrow. four days, which wow. I, can you imagine if they just given like, I mean, I don't know if they could have done it for Patty, but Seth, like I, I do, I kind of think they should have sat Seth for more games than they did down the stretch. I know they gave him some days, but like I would have just given him the full stretch. Um, it's funny actually. Seth's another guy that like, if I if I'm the Nets, let's say this game's kind of closer than we expect because I I just don't know. Like that's that's the Nets right now. Like they it part my like, there's a part of me that's like this team is amazing. Like they have this high gear. They're going to be such a nightmare to deal with in the seven seed. And then there's the other part of me that watches them play, and it's just like this just feels off. Sometimes Kyrie and KD can feel off. They can never really have good games at the same time. The defense is just like. I mean, they weren't even that bad against Cleveland in the game I watched, but some of the games are just like the miscues are very apparent. They're like trying to switch and just guys aren't used to doing it together. Um, But I mean, one of the exploits I think for the Nets is actually going to be like making Darius Garland guard. Um, He was guarding Seth, I think, originally, and they just attacked him pretty early. So that's something the Nets can do, you know, make Garland guard, exhaust him on that end. Because he's like their entire offense on the other side. Other than that, it's just Karis LeVert doing like, you know, Karis LeVert things. Isolating. Yeah. Uh, taking Watch sh- it. <laughs> taking shots. Watch it. Look, it works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. All right? Like it's- One thing about Karis LeVert, he's going to put that defender in jail and, and attempt a 12-foot leaning floater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, that game was funny. I was like, damn, I still want Karis to go to the rim like at least 15 times percent or 15% more than he does. It was, uh, that, was that was the first thing I ever like wrote about the Nets when I like made a Twitter account. I was like, I'm going to write about the Nets. I wrote a thing about Karis LeVert getting to the rim and it's three years later and not that's not a knock against him. You know, when you're in your mid-20s, you don't evolve a ton, but it's crazy how it just takes you back to yep. those 2018 days. He he had a he had a man in jail floater with like fifty seconds left in that Cavs game like it was already over I was like there it is we haven't gotten one all night there, there <laughs> I'm happy I'm happy we got one we didn't get the like the step back three either that's like with like a defender draped on him either um, no I mean you know I don't know it and that's like their entire offense after that it's like you know maybe you can post up Markinen and 
and Kevin Love, but that like I just, I don't know. I mean, well, well, you know what? Let's just close this. I'm I'm good on doing play and stuff. It's, do you guys have that many more thoughts about this? I I will say one thing that they have to be mindful of is Laurie Marketing. You know, for everything you know in the past, Wurtz as a player, whatever has really bought into being sort of an off-ball mover and spacer this year and not just the I stand in the corner and make, you know, low man guys think twice about helping. You know, he's been very good coming around screens, setting screens and popping, slipping all of that. And the Nets just really have to be careful about communicating those actions that he's involved in because a lot of the defensive miscues that you've talked about are in that area where it's off ball movement, it's interchanging guys, it's a roll rise action. And it's a one game scenario. You can't let Lori Markinen get six or seven, you know, uncontested looks uh, that easily. So a lot of it was KD in that game, by the way, he was, he was, it was like a really, it was both a great KD game defensively. Like he had some great individual defense moments and it was also like just a great, it's just a great example of KD as a defender where it's like he has yeah. incredible sequences in isolation. He, you know, he stays with Karras and Garland and I don't know, a bunch of other guys. Um, and then in the same game, he'll like be positioned at the nail and just forget about Laurie Markkinen at the wing. And it's like there was a couple plays like that in that game. I feel like the Cavs' best chance might be to just go love Markkinen front court space you know, try to get the nets in rotation and getting some miscues. And I mean, it's weird to say that I feel like their best chance might be by putting Mobley on the bench. Obviously that makes their defense a lot worse, but with the nets sort of lack of rim pressure and tendency to take tough one-on-one shots, there's a matchup you're going to, you know, do it in where Mobley becomes a little bit less valuable. It's maybe this. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what the Cavs try to do. Do they try to get in a scoring battle with the Nets or do they try to get Mobley there and maybe cap their offense a little bit, but, you know, stay a little sturdier on the defensive side? Yeah, they got some pretty good stuff out of, like, when they ran, um, like, I, I think it was it might have been flex action and it could have just been, like, a basic, like, pin down, but they just, whenever they ran pin downs for their bigs, they'd have the guy slip to the rim and yep. you just get their, like, you would get there right for a layup, essentially. And, like, those, those are plays where it's like, all right, this is, that's smart offense because a you you have your your stretch bigs going so we know this Nets team because they're they're aware of that they're not very um, <laughs> pristine I guess with their switches especially when they're close to the rim um, so that's where they got pretty good action out of that but that's like that's like only a couple plays a game that's my problem with this matchup is I can sit here and be like well they can do this Garland can get his but it's like I just don't know if you're gonna have enough to keep up with what the Nets can do on the other side which. I mean, I, they have a solid option for Kyrie. Um, Okoro was pretty good and physical in that game, and I think that's kind of what you need to do. Uh, and d- did a good job, like, getting in his airspace. Uh, KD is, like, I, they had Markinen originally on him. Um, then they had Karras guarding him. So, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> were, they, were they doing that on purpose? I, like... I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm happy we talked about Mobley because I think there's a Mobley conversation to be had. Like, just put him on Kevin Durant. Like, My thing about that uh, is that he's so good as a rover, you know, sort of cleaning up mistakes. And I think that's what, made, that's what made the Mobley-Allen front court so, so good defensively is that Allen really could just stay in the pain and, and you know, be Jared Allen. And Mobley could come in on the weak side, almost like a, you know, it's everybody makes this comparison, but like a Brook Giannis thing. And if you put Mobley on KD, 
this goes back to the theory of do you just let KD get his and let your best defenders work elsewhere? Or if Mobley's on KD, that really takes him away from impacting the other four guys a lot. So I agree there's a conversation to be had. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, actually, you know what? I'm going to push back on that because the Nets aren't the team that gets to the rim. And if you're, that, if you're that's, saying... That's my point. Like, mm. And they're and, not also a team that's going to burn you weak side in secondary actions. I think in the individual matchup, or they can, but they don't often. They don't I have to because KD gets doubled. Their whole offense is they they get the ball to KD in the post, he gets doubled, and then Bruce usually Bruce will cut to the rim and they'll make plays that. from there. So, so Which is what they did double, against Cleveland. Do you need a double team him if Mobley's on him? It you I think you oh, maybe take a couple, you take a couple possessions to see. Um, that's that's the thing though with a guy like KD and you know every coach says this you got to throw him different looks you got to mix it up can't yeah. double him the whole game you know you can't single cover him the whole game you can't double from the same point you know the whole game so Mobley on KD I think that's gonna be the key I think like if you turn on the game and it's the first quarter I think that's what you look for who's gar- is Mobley guarding KD um, how are they doubling which essentially has been every Nets game this year. Yep. <laughs> um, I guess that's an interesting idea. Because I mean, otherwise, the the rest of the matchups are kind of going to add up. Um, and then at that point, I would try to, like, spring, I don't know, Seth free, I guess. And that would that would play into, like, the I want to spring Seth free and try to make Garland work. Because I'm assuming he'd be aligned in that way. Um, yeah. And if I'm Cleveland, I just don't feel that uncomfortable with having Markin and on Drummond. I'm like, meh, okay. Like... I, if you make it like make Andre Drummond beat you, I don't know. I don't. He's feel gonna, like like I I hear you, and I think that's valid. But also, I would be worried about the offensive glass in that yep. scenario. Okay. okay, okay, yes, obviously you're worried. Like if the Nets want to win, they can win. I'm I'm trying to create like a world where Cleveland right. has a chance. No, it's I not a very I think part world. of that is because Andre Drummond is, I in my opinion, a it matters how much better he is on the offensive glass than the defensive glass. And then if, you know, Mobley or one of your other big guys is guarding KD, who's 20 feet away from the glass, it's like, you're really worried. And, you know, that allows the nets to get both back on transition D and have a presence on the glass, because if Andre Drummond is on the glass, nobody else needs to crash. You know, you have your offensive rebounding presence. Um, So yeah, I mean, Cleveland has a lot to worry about, even with, you know, Dragic out which I no. think that's a little bit. Dragic is in. Dragic is in? I just saw, really? Yeah, they changed it 20 minutes after the initial injury report. Oh. What happened? Did he test out? I, I think I think they just sent it out assuming, don't don't kill me PR. I think they just kind of sent it out assuming he would be okay. And then 20 minutes later, they got a call like, no, 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 he's good. So they were like, oh, shoot, got to change it. It's funny. They got to rest the guy, the small guard that needed the absolute least amount of rest. <laughs> yeah i mean at least at least someone got it at least someone got it yeah. i wish it was katie i wish it was seth too oh my god um all right what do we got predictions what do we think is going to happen tomorrow it's like, going to be a tough game to watch if you're a nets fan <laughs> there's just no way i mean come on man there's no way there's just no way they win by 20 and put them away in the first half and the one thing, I'll, and the one thing I'll say about Claxton right here, this goes into it, is that Claxton can struggle with small guards that have just a lot of first step burst. I mean, the first time he really got killed switching in the last two years was Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, yep. And it was and, because he does that thing with his feet where he he likes to yep. 
step forward and I don't I think it's like a ment I'm sure people can picture this where he like he it's looks like he's like fencing almost and it's right I just I don't think it's necessary I don't, I don't understand right, the point his arms of it. are so long he can contest without doing that but when yep. you have small guards that have such great hesitation moves and stop and start uh I think that'll be something to look for if they go all switching so I could see Garland getting getting his and making it a real close game and Garland like can get hit. I mean, he's so good, man. He's like he can get his against anyone. He reminds me a lot of Kyrie, like just like in terms of the body control. He's so like it's it's absolutely ridiculous some of the stuff. He, I mean, I know he had a bunch of like flashy layups, but he even had a finish against the Nets where he like stopped on a dime, like turned on his pivot foot and turned twice and then hit a floater. And I was like, I just don't know how many like point guards there are that can do that right now. Like he's he's awesome. So a close, very very stressful win. I mean, it's, I hate to be so, you know, I, hey, all I know is that I think the Nets win, but I also think that Cleveland plus eight and a half line is something that um, is interesting to say the least. Yeah. I think the Nets win in an unsatisfying way because that's what they've done for the past two weeks. Like, I think, I think they are up six with like 30 seconds left and win by nine and screw over the betters. <laughs> and like, I, I think that's what happens. Yeah. I'm kind of optimistic. If the want to win, they can win. The game is fully in their control. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see, like, are they just, do they just know they kind of have this in the bag or is there, like, because I keep, I, I keep thinking, like, all right, and it looks like it in these first halves of these games where you're like, oh, all right, like against Indiana, it's like, okay, this is them being like, all right, we're taking the seven seed. This is like this big moral victory. And then it, it just kind of things spiral in a way where, you know, and, and the Cavs game, like the way they fell apart, like I didn't. I didn't see anything that was like glaring that was right. You know, it was just kind of like they just stopped being able to hit shots and it's, it's weird. It's a little concerning for me. Yeah. I think that, um, and Garland also just, I mean, Cleveland hit some tough shots oh, yeah. and made some unbelievable plays, which he's going to do. Um, that's the thing. I do think this team goes as KD goes and KD kind of has ascended to that point in his basketball, you know, career where, he is such a singular presence on the court that he dictates the mentality of the team. And I don't think that was always the case in OKC. And certainly Golden State was a different culture. But now it really feels like everybody on this team looks to KD. And as he goes, they go. And, you know, it's understandable why, how he takes his foot off the gas a little bit in that Indiana game, things like that. But if he's locked in, I'm trying to kill you every possession for you know, all 48 minutes, which Steve Nash will probably play him on Tuesday, then it's hard to see Cleveland matching that the whole time if he is in that mindset and the rest of the Nets follow him. So I do definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, I I, I don't know if we're going to get it. I like, I think that's not going to be something we're going to see till like round one. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. so hard for me to look at this game and be like, all right, this is going to be the Nets. They're going to try to prove something. Even though they have, what, four days off, like they could play. They could blow them out by, by 30. I mean, the one thing I'll say that like I think stood out to me at the very end was the Cavs body language was really bad in that regular season game in like the final two minutes. This is again, I'm the only person that has watched this game, I think on the planet again, but they just, there was like shrug shoulders. Garland was really frustrated with the team. The Nets had like a couple really nice possessions at the end. That one where there was the ball movement where I think it exchanged sides like two or three different times. It's this perfect play. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, I, I think obviously you're, you're going to come in and, 
you know, be competitive and, and come into that game. But I do wonder if there's like a mental aspect of that that can play into it. So, um, yeah. Uh, wow. All right. We're going to run out of time. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, for me, I, I don't see this being a particularly close game. I, I think the Nets are going to win by like double digits. I, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm the yeah. optimist today. Um, I, go ahead. My official prediction is that Kyrie and Katie do come out caring and giving their all or at least Kyrie does because of one specific quote. I won't belabor it too much for Matt's um, sake, but Kyrie was talking about posting. He was like, yeah, the plane. And now you've got Katie and Kat or Kyrie and Kev against the Cavs. And what he's specifically talking about there, at least the way I read it is he is Kyrie was on the Cavs and Katie had a rivalry with the Cavs when he was on the Warriors. So I think in Kyrie's mind, it's a playoff game. The rivalries come into play. That's how I think they look at this. Going I don't believe them for a second because they've all been saying every game is must win, every game season on the line. I've heard this quote for like two weeks straight, and I'm like, all right, like we don't also, have to lie. <laughs> these guys know each other so well. Kyrie doesn't feel it. These guys, everybody on the Cavs could be on the Pistons. You know, it's not like <laughs> the rivalry. It's not like Katie's thing about those finals. Like, man, when they drafted Darius Garland two years later, that really stuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know well, who knows I, you could be right um yeah one thing i'm interested i want to see how kessler edward how kessler edwards plays defensively because again if you think about other matchups you're like oh maybe he guards a jalen brown or, or or a chris middleton or you know a guy that he has to stop one-on-one and it's a challenge for him right here in this game it's like who is he guarding that's going to try to take him one-on-one does he get some karis possessions yeah, I'd probably get switched on to Garland for a little bit, but I'm really interested to see if he can make a defensive impact off the ball, roaming, just being a physical athletic presence out there. I mean, that Indiana game, if you remember, he had a great possession back on transition defense where he blocked a layup and the mm-hmm. ball went out of bounds off Indiana. And it's like, if you project Kessler as a truly impactful off-ball defender, that's the type of possession you want to see. Just like his athleticism and instincts and length is just making a difference on the court in sort of these amorphous, not one-on-one situations. And that's what it's going to be versus the Cavs. Cause you know, Isaac Okoro, if that's who he's matched up on is not going to be taking him one-on-one. Laurie Markinen may, may get one post up here or there, but you know, that's not going to be what's happening. So that's, that's something else that I'm looking for just as a resident Kess wagon uh, driver. I'm, I'm very intrigued about how he looks in the playoffs in general. Just yeah. in, in right. I can see it going either way. Actually, I, I'm probably more pessimistic just because I, yeah, I, I, it's just a big ask for him to, and I think they really need him, like really, really need him to go to go far. Personally. Yeah. But, so is so is Harris Levert like the Jalen Brown appetizer? Like, is that is that what's going on here? Who that's I don't know. <laughs> Oof, appetizers doing a lot of work wow. <laughs> And I, there's a reason I didn't say that confidently. Let me just say that. I just had a bowl of cereal at 4 p.m. and I'm going to be having dinner in like three hours. So if that's the sort of appetizer that you're talking about. <laughs> it's like a cheese. Captain's schedule stays undefeated. Uh, no, we love Karis. We love Karis. We do. It's like a couple of Cheez-Its before dinner. <laughs> All right, that was too big. Uh, you know what? Okay, you know what I will say about it? It's an interesting matchup because Kess's thing in on-ball defensive situation is that he's so jumpy, and he doesn't always need to be because he can recover with that length and athleticism. And if there's one guy that's going to give you herky-jerky a billion east-to-west moves, it's going to be Karis LeVert. 
we might see a possession where Karras goes hesitation crossover, another hesitation, and Kess jumps to the first row. Uh, so that I that that is some real analysis for you right there. I could see Kess jumping at the first hezzy and then Karras doing a second hezzy anyway. Just because that could also and then a ten foot fadeaway. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, I've, I've had enough. Um, all right, we're gonna pick up. Uh, we we had to split this because I'm cheap, uh, and that's that's how this works. <laughs> so we, I kind of just wanted to have like a general conversation about how we feel about the Nets and like, because right. at this point we have a little bit of data to go off of. It's a little bit different than I don't know the last time that we talked where we were just like, I don't know if this team's good. We have no idea. We don't know if Ben Simmons is gonna play or we don't even know what this team looks like. Um, so we've got a little string of games. Granted, like the last four we're not against especially tough competition so i'll start here like where alec where do you like see this team going like what how do you feel about them as a as a nets fan where, where's your optimism at oh boy i got hit with the nets fan label which is accurate um i think i think they've shown enough of a ceiling to have some confidence in their ability in a first round matchup against a non-bucks opponent which is what will happen if they get to the first round so I think I, I feel good. I think it look and I, we have to talk about this at some point. So I'll say it, it looks like Ben Simmons is going to return for the playoffs, which seemed highly unlikely for about a month at this point. And we it's, we've yet to see how that impacts the team, but I don't think it will hurt them because it seems there seems to be an understanding that he's going to play a limited role at first. And if he's really just piss poor, I don't think he'll play at all. So the team has showed a ceiling, shown a ceiling, I think there is some reason for confidence. I agree. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely some reason for confidence. I'm surprised you dropped the Ben Simmons bomb. Like, yeah. oh, man. Let's say there's a week before the playoffs, man. That's a lot of time for Eric Adams to kidnap him in the middle of the night and dump him in the Easter. You never know with this team, man. No, he has COVID. Oh, that could happen, too. Um, but yeah, it would, it would delay his ramp up, and then, yeah, it would just – that would be nuts. No, no. Eric Adams has COVID. Oh, well, I thought you were saying Ben Simmons gets COVID. And I was like, no, he, he has it. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw that yesterday. Um, but yeah. regardless, I do agree that they have shown a ceiling. And it's, it's so interesting that with this team, you feel much better after they play better competition. I mean, if you just look at the teams, if you just look at their last two months, when they played the Sixers, you felt really good after that game. When they played the Bucks, I think you felt fine. I mean, I think a little bit of shooting variance in that game. Um, but you weren't discouraged, even though the Bucks won. And when they played Boston, when Tatum had the 50-burger, you didn't feel discouraged either. Um, it's really after these, you know, lackadaisical performances against not great teams where you go, oh, like, is this team really a threat to do anything? Um so that in itself is a cause for optimism because if they can, they've shown you they can get up for these big games and tighten things up when they need to, um, how much they can do so remains to be seen. I think there is very valid cause to have optimism now that we're entering, you know, the real part of the season, as I'm sure a lot of these guys feel about it. Um, I think more so this year than their philosophy last year is um, it's a little bit more matchup dependent, whereas last year was like, we're going five out. Harden's going to handle the ball. He's going to make a decision. We have two of the, you know, we have two amazing play finishers. Like you're not outscoring us. I don't care if we're small. Whereas this year, the <laughs> so rotation. Good. So good, 
Oh, so good. So Me and good. Lucas can do this all day and talk about last year's Nets team. I like, oh. There are eight. There are eight games on YouTube, like of the Harden, Katie, Kyrie era, that you can just watch, and it'll it'll just fill me with enough serotonin and and and, and nostalgia for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, two favorite being the Warriors game and the game four versus Boston. Anyway, um, after that aside, I think there's reason to feel optimistic, and I think that's why a lot of Nets fans didn't want Milwaukee in the first round. Very understandable, but it also goes to show you, like, you know, this team you feel like can beat really anyone in the East, I think. And even, even versus Milwaukee, I mean, you have Kevin Durant, it's the Trump card. If you can delay that series a little bit, if you want to look ahead, it's like, if you get Ben Simmons back and he looks good um, for a seven seed, who's had a lot of weird stuff this year and a lot of games where you just don't really feel like they're going to be capable of anything. Um, you go into these playoffs pretty, pretty optimistic, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, this team, like, you always hear the phrase like you are kind of what your record says you are and i just this is i don't think there's ever been a better example of a team not being that um and yet somehow still having the opportunity to win like this hasn't been a lost season they've done the, the nets have done like just enough to just get enough. in which is the weird part about this it's not like i don't know uh what's a good golden state from a couple years ago where steph got hurt and it was like all right season done um this this is a lot different i think in a way and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I look at them and, like, there are certain things I don't love. Like, the offense sometimes is just, like, it's – we've talked about it a lot. The rim pressure isn't there. Uh, the playmaking sometimes can be lacking. There's just a lot on KD's shoulders where it's, like, man, running a lot of pick and roll. And, like, sometimes it looks really good with KD. Sometimes it's, like, he looks at exactly who he wants to pass to with the defender sitting right there in the lane. And it still is a turnover in a way. So, I think – um I don't know. I ultimately like this, this whole season for me is going to come down to Kyrie. And like, that's kind of what I wanted to end on. Um, Cause I just, I'm yeah. The, the, the experience of him coming back full time has been mixed. Like some, some, some games he looks really good. Some games he looks really good. And a lot of times it just has to do with him making those, you know, in between shots. Um, you know, I think we've all talked about this. The rim pressure has been, a little tricky at certain points. The defense has been, I it was better. I thought yesterday against the Pacers, um, but it's still kind of like, it's the point of attack. Defense hasn't been there. He's like missed assignments a lot. So it'll ultimately come down to him. Yeah. Uh, Alec, go ahead. I agree. I was going to talk about how the nets, I think are finding themselves pretty late considering we've played game 82 at this point, but I think are starting to figure out who they are a little bit at this point. And I think a lot of that applies to Kyrie Irving. One quote that stuck out to me in particular was Steve Nash talking about how, yeah, Kyrie is best used off ball. I tweeted that out like a month and a half ago and got a lot of flack for it, but it's not a knock. It's just who he is, a great scorer who can finish plays awesome. Awesome, bad words. Um, And now that Goran Dragic is back, awesome. And now that Goran Dragic is back from health and safety protocols, I don't know how he'll look and feel and whatnot right away. Especially since we know it hit him pretty hard. It was about nine days, and he was very symptomatic from what we've heard. But I think he should be good by game one of the playoffs, assuming they get there. So I really wonder if Steve Nash relies on him heavily as the small guard, as an as an offensive initiator. Now yeah, that I, he clearly knows that Kyrie Irving is an off-ball player. Yeah, my bad. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I remember after the Philly game, one of the things I noticed was like, man, Dragic really does add a lot of value to this team. And 
that is, you know, not the most encouraging thing in the world. Don't get me wrong. Dragic is, first of all, like a dog, like somebody you want on your team in the playoffs, man. Like he competes and he is just, I would hate to play against him. And I do think that really matters, um, you know, in the playoffs. I don't think that's hot take. But, you know, he is the really only other guard that is, or the only guard really that gets into the paint and makes, is looking for teammates, is you can trust to make the right decision. And the guy who most brings that off-ball value out of Kyrie, I mean, he is essentially, Matt made this point once, the James Harden replacement. And, you know, that's a little oof, but... Is it anything. anymore? <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. I, I, um, I didn't have to both say it out loud. But yeah, I thought that since day one. He's totally the hardest replacement. Yeah, you you said that too. And yes, he's 35, so he doesn't get into the paint quite as well as he did, you know, five, three, four, five years ago. Um, But that's why I really think he is such a crucial piece for this team because he accelerates Kyrie's off-ball ability and he's going to have a big role in the playoffs. With that being said, I think we're all in agreement. The two real non-motor, non-locking-in, switch, whatever, fundamental problems this team could run into Lack of rim pressure, when the shots aren't falling, how are you going to get easy buckets? Who's getting two feet in the paint? Are you really relying on Goran Dragic to be that guy for you? And secondly, how does the defensive communication look in the playoffs? I think that's maybe a step below in terms of the rim pressure, in terms of like yeah. fundamental worry yeah, for this team. But like, you know, when teams are running really creative off-ball actions and they've scouted you for a week and they're targeting specific things, is your communication top notch? You know, do you know what you're doing on every screen, every off ball screen? Um, so there are fundamental worries you have with this team. And I think things that can be exploited, which is the biggest difference from last year. I think teams against the Nets play in playoffs. They have things that they're going to go to and they know what weaknesses they have to attack. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Nets can do like the flip the switch thing defensively again that they did last year. Yeah. Um, part of that, I think, was just the matchup that they played. Like the Bucks just were not a team that could do much of anything from the perimeter, and they played. They beat themselves. I, I know. I, I know yeah. nobody wants to hear that, but like they just they the the offense that they were running was just like what like middle. It wasn't even. It was like side pick and roll uh, sure. over and over. It just always ended up in PJ Tucker's hands in the corner. So it's you know I. I, I buy the defense having a switch. I don't know how much of a switch it is. And I also think the opponent's really going to matter this year where, yep. you know, you can't, your switch can't just be, hey, we're just going to hug into the paint and we're going to have guys playing the gaps and that's going to be what we're going to do here. Because uh, that's really in large part what they did against the Bucks. They're going to have to come up with different ways that they're switch, uh, flipping the switch against different opponents. And I just, we'll see if they're able to do that. My big question with the Nets also is how much of like length and activity can comprise like some rim protection. Like, you know, Ben Simmons, if he gets back, whatever it is, is not the rim protector that I think many Nets fans might hope for in terms of like weak side and like contesting guys at the rim. But if you have, you know, your four guys that you trust a little bit to just be disruptive presences are Katie Claxton, Ben and you know hopefully some Kessler Edwards how much of that and you know Andre when he's in drop how much rim protection can they just sort of collectively get to are they bleeding points in the paint or are they making things at least a little uncomfortable because it's like man you just got to go through a lot of arms and a lot of long dudes to get to the rim I think 
that is, I guess I listed the other two worries. My third big concern slash thing I'm watching for with this team. I'm actually the, the small guards getting posted up and then just serving mm. up bad switches like that. That always is going to be my Nets thing where it's just like, I don't, I, you know, I mean, depends who's guarding point of attack. If Kyrie's guarding point of attack, is he going to be getting over screens? If it's Bruce, I feel awesome. Like, great. Bruce, yeah. Bruce has been so good defensively recently. Like it's, it's, insane. Yeah. he's blocking threes like every game now. I don't understand what's going. He looks like a like an all defense guard, right? Honestly, he really I, does. Yeah, I said for a while I was like, oh, he came back from the hammy, and oh, now he's playing well, and he's really good on offense. But I haven't seen the point of attack get back to October, November levels. It's back, I think. He, well, and that's your thing. Like, if you have a team with multiple perimeter guys, like that's where I get a little worried because you only have one Bruce. You've traded away Bembry, or yeah, you gotten rid of Bembry. Uh, I was about to say Javon Carter. I won't mention Javon Carter. Uh, you just gotten rid of certain guys now and you've you've replaced him with patty who's just been um inexperienced defensively recently i was a little better against the pacers but uh yeah just just been a little bit of an experience uh curry is just he looks hobbled to me on defense that's where i really noticed that the ankle for me like he just isn't moving well um and guys can get by him and then Kyrie also is like i just it looks like he's taking plays off defensively so you know I, that's probably where my big worry is. Actually, it's going to be on the perimeters. What does it look like with those guys? And are you just serving up bad switches because those guys are like, yeah, I don't really want to go fight over the screen, so we're going to give you Andre Drummond on switches, which has been, it's been okay. I don't, I don't know if it's sustainable, but it's been okay. I think like every other facet of this team, the defense, the, the ceiling is there. Like they just need a few guys. They need Kyrie to look like he's playing James Harden and cares. They need Patty Mills to turn some of those blocking fouls into charges or not foul on jump shots. Like if they can just put enough together on defense, I think they could be passable. The stats are weirdly high on them on defense. I think cleaning the glass has them 13th since KD returned like post deadline. If you have that against like top 10 opponents, it's like 11th. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not because the communication has been bad. But I think there's a ceiling there, which is just weird to think about this team on defense. What are they net rating-wise overall? Like, what what's their... Oh, this is my big stat. Since since Kevin Durant returned March 3rd against teams with top 10 in, like, net... Against team, top 10, like, net differential teams, they're fourth in net rating, plus 4.9. But they have a 37% win percentage. They're three and five. Everyone else... Is like above is fifty or better. The four point nine fourth fourth and point differential is pretty good, but first is Boston at thirteen, way yeah. way above. Boston's Boston just so good against everyone. Boston's been so good, and that I think is the thing that Nets fans have to give a little bit more attention to in a set in a second in a yeah in a first round series. It's like oh Boston, oh they're not Milwaukee, oh time Lord is hurt. Yes, all those things matter, my man. Boston has been so, so good. And while I do think the Nets are a little bit of a not great matchup for them in terms of other teams, like Boston's really good, man. I just, it's not very insightful analysis right there, but they've been really good. And one thing that we're talking about that's a little worrisome is like, we know Kyrie and KD have extra levels as defenders compared to what they've shown. Like when KD's locked in on defense, you know, as he was, I think, for that whole season in, in 2018 in Golden State, he got the much-deserved, like, yo, is he, like, all-defense buzz? Because he was really that good. And you see it in games here, but it's, like, 
he has to carry such an offensive load that yeah. yes, Katie locked in on defense improves the value on the, and improves your whole defense so much, but that's asking a lot of him. Kyrie, is he going to conserve energy because he has to take 20 tough shots or is he going to be that passable defensive, you know, point of attack guy that I think we've seen in postseasons past and in big games past where I truly believe that when he's locked in, when he's giving full effort, he's not a negative um, on that end, which is big. Not a lot of six, one guards are not. Yeah. I mean, the KD's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I guess my, that's one of my many concerns. The Kate, I, we, I think we talked about it. Uh, I think it was with you, Lucas, uh, talking about like using KD is like the Ferrari. Like you don't want to, I think we we're talking about like using him in pick and roll. Where you're like you don't yeah. want to take the Ferrari to like Safeway, like you you don't want to do that, <laughs> like you want to or whatever whatever the grocery store is out here. That was a California moment, um, but yeah, you don't you don't want to like take the the Ferrari and like do groceries with it. Like you want to you know use it use it on the whatever on the highway and, and speed. Like you, that's kind of when you want to use uh, the Ferrari. So I, I think like they've put a lot of miles on him, and you kind of saw it in that second round series against Milwaukee. Like he just slowly ran out of gas, I think in a way, and that's. That's my ultimate concern is, like, can you get enough from the other guys? Is your bench going to be there? Are they going to stay healthy? Like, is Seth Curry going to be able to keep it together? A little worried about that. Uh, is Patty Mills going to – is this the little bit of signs of life we're seeing right now? Is that real? Or is that just going to be – that's going to fade when these games start getting more and more physical and he starts feeling that fatigue again? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it really does. It all comes down to KD, and, like, that's the beauty of having KD is, like, he's on your team and everything else that's happened. There's been a guy that's missed three fourths of the season. Uh, a guy got traded. He, the guy that he got traded for has a back problem and like, is going to be used. I don't know as much as Kessler Edwards. Like that's what it like. He's going to get like 10, 15 minutes a game. So all these things happen and it still doesn't matter. Cause you have Kevin Durant. Okay. I have a question. Let's say tie game. I mean, obviously it depends on, you know, what's happened up to that point, the opponent, what five do you want to see on the court? Like make it or break it time. KD. No, okay. what, 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 not what five, not what center. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, what five? Yeah. Uh, man, I was like, can you give us an opponent? Come on. All right. Boston. Uh, Boston. Um, and are, are the Nets, Nets have the, what's the score? Like what's, what's the situation? Are they playing it's, defense or what? Or they have the oh, opportunity wow. to score. Can you no. like, can you like eight minutes left. Who they who do they close with? Yeah, yeah, oh, sure. It's eight minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Not like you need a stop or you need a bucket. Just like it's winning time. Good show, by the way, on HBO. It's winning time. Uh, probably KD, Kyrie, Seth, uh, okay. Bruce Brown. Okay. And then the fifth guy. It's either Nick Claxton or it's Kessler Edwards. Oh, oh. no, 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 no. I was going to say Patty. Oh, oh no. my God, Patty. Wow. I go Claxton with Patty. No. Welcome to the small forward Patty Mills experience. <laughs> we don't, look, we're going all buckets. That's all this team has been about ever. So I would love it. I would, I would love it if they really just, if they get down to their deepest core level and they're like, you know what? We're still the same. Hard in here, hard in not here. It does not matter. We space and we get buckets, and you guys can't score 140 points. I legitimately I think they believe that. Like, I, I think there's a legitimate belief in the organization that's the way to win games. And I, I don't know if I can push back on it all the way. Yeah, I, I don't know if I hate it. 
Maybe maybe the fifth guy is um maybe the fifth guy's Drogic. I think that's something. Like I just play Patty over him. Why not? Because then you can weaponize okay. those guys. I think it, set up offense a little better. I think is the it, argument. Your offense is going to be all Kate. There's no way in eight minutes left of a big game the Nets are going to be like, you know what, Goran Dragic, do you want to run the offense a little bit? They're like, no, we watched no. them all year. All they do is go here, KD, post up. We're going to hope the hope the team doubles. <laughs> I, I disagree. Do you know how many bad shots Patty Mills is going to take against that Celtics defense? Like how many long twos and like moving threes they're gonna be? Like Goran Dragic can at least kind of attack a closeout and like get downhill instead of just moving laterally along the three point line. I That's love those, those side steps are sick. Okay. They're so bad. They're so bad every single time. Hey, is Kessler Edwards gonna foul a three point shooter in a critical situation, or is it gonna be in the first half when they're up ten? Because that well, might decide the season. Well, it's gonna be the first half because he plays forward, and you know who else plays forward? Kevin Durant. So he's not gonna see the second half of, yeah. of the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that happens. So is it really Nick? We're gonna go Nick Claxton. Is that the final? I That's think the- it has to be, man. I mean, he- oh man, I I love the like. I think the Bruce. Oh, I, I wish I had this data. I'm sure I can look this up real quick. But the Nick. Uh, the Claxton Bruce minutes have been a little more palatable this year. I think they've figured out some things. Bruce has just been so much better. I wish he would toss lobs, but he's gotten a lot better at like making reads to Nick. And Nick's also gotten way better at like um, alternating dunker spots. Yeah, he's, he's gotten so much better at those little details. So like they've made it work, but I'm still terrified of him in a big game. I think it's funny because you were all like, oh, they need time. They need to play together. But I think in big moments with the talent, you throw that out the window. But like, it really matters with little details like that. How do Bruce and Clax share that area of the paint? Clax just getting better in a rhythm when he's not sick or hurt at, you know, relocating to the middle of the paint when a guy drives baseline, getting to the other dunker spot. I think it's that sort of development that's made him so much better versus just like, you know, skill stuff like at the end of the day, he's on the short roll. If he doesn't see the first pass immediately, it's one dribble, spin back to his left hook shot that might go in. But he's Maybe. just gotten so much better at sort of mapping the court and where he's supposed to be. I, I expect Boston, or a team like Boston, any team, honestly, to put Claxton in the short roll a lot and make him decide. I think he's done better there. I think the hook shot has improved marginally. I think the short roll playmaking has improved marginally. Do I still trust him? I don't know if I trust him, but I think he's improved. I know you don't trust him because if I told you that, again, in the last eight minutes, that Nick Claxton taking hook shots and making decisions is just No, no, no second half hook shots. Hook shots are first half only. Okay. It's going to be a good test for Bruce Brown's three-point shot too. Yeah, he's going to have to take a big one. I mean, he's just, it's good. He's going to have to take a corner three where a guy is kind of closing out and it is a big shot because it's one thing to take him up 12 against the Pacers. And I felt like whenever you look at his three-point shooting numbers and they look better than expected, I just felt like a lot of that is like, we're up eight and I'm taking the three. And if it doesn't go in, we're still winning. And if it does, we're winning by even more. And I can like talk shit and shimmy in front of the bench. Yeah. <laughs> and he's only at what, that. like 1.8, 1.9 a game? Yeah. Like, I always I always am like a little hesitant on these, on these stats where it's like, all right, like it looks, I think he's improved his three point shot. I'm not gonna, oh, he I'm has. gonna shoot it down for sure. Has, um, it's just you know these are wide open threes and he's taking like maybe two a game, maybe. Right. I was looking at Bruce's numbers this morning actually in class because I'm a bad student and they're a lot better than last year. 
Like, yeah. he's, he's hitting them from, like, every spot. He's, he has the same – no, okay. He's the same – he's, like, he's like 41%, like, top – like, above the break and, like, 39 from the corner. And, like, I think if I remember correctly, like, the different, like, how far is the defender, like, tracking numbers were all kind of similar too. So I'm not – I'm not going to say I'm comfortable, but I think there are signs of life there. He hit one big three against Milwaukee in Milwaukee – Mm-hmm. kind of right after the bio deadline that was the big like we're down four and we yeah. need this one if i remember it's so much of this comes down to kessler edwards man i feel like every conversation we've had it's just like the outlook changes if kessler edwards is like playing and and you can play him in a big spot but i get the pessimism man it's not any one thing he doesn't do well or skills or just like that it's like do you have the deer in the headlights you have the ball in your hands or there's a big situation and you have to make a calm process decision. Like, can you do that? Like, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a rotation player. I think he's going to be in big playoff moments for years to come. I really do believe in him as a guy, but you're asking a lot of him for a rookie that has had deer in the headlights moments versus Milwaukee in January versus, you know, like (laughs) Detroit in March. So all of a sudden, like, are you going to trust him in the biggest spots of the game? I don't think it's a no. Like, I, I'm really interested to see because if you have him in that corner or if you have him, you know, guarding up, and, and I think he's been pretty good on the glass, he just makes so much sense for this team and covers up holes in a lot of different areas. But it's such a big if. So I think, man, I'm just super excited to see him both like as, a, you know, someone who's probably who's going to be rooting for the Nets, but also as like, I really want to see Kessler's development. The first thing I'll say is I think the Nets absolutely made the right call in waving James Johnson. Makes Hot take. Wow. Oh. No I, I mean, way, man. No, 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 no. Because I've been texting you guys about this for like a month. And I got. So I just didn't think they would back. do it. I didn't think I it was a bad call. I just call. didn't think they would do it. I just didn't know if okay. they would do that. Okay. For the okay. I'm, do you I'm think I'm standing for James Johnson? Is that what you're accusing me of? Look, I just, just kidding. Second, I'm terrified of him. I am not going to say anything bad. The second thing I'll say is that Lucas is right. That like it's not about Kessler Edwards being able to make a layup or finish in transition, which is what he's struggled with most this year. Like it's not even that. And I don't like. I'm that's not even what I'm worried about. It's just because we've seen the rookie wall. We've seen it for like a month and a half, two months. So the fact that like we know that exists inside of him, that's what scares me. If you could do a body transfusion where you gave him Cam Thomas's mind, like I would play him 48 minutes. I need Cam Thomas's mind. That would be awesome. I'd be I would love I would love his I need that. <laughs> I need I need to go to like a symposium where he's just like talking about self-confidence and, and how to approach life. You know, I I would love that. Um, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to see too much Cam Thomas. Maybe, though. That'd be fun if he played a little They bit. asked, bro, um, Mark, who's announcing the game with JVG on blanking? Mark Jones, Mark, right? Mark. Uh, yeah. 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 Asked JVG after Cam hit, like, a tough, like, shot. He was like, so, like, what do you think about Cam Thomas, like, in the playoffs? Like, it's the guy they could use. And Van Gundy, in a very diplomatic, very nice way, gave, like, a two-minute, like, ah, well, you know, if they have guys back and they don't need shot making, a very long no, Cam Thomas is not playing in the playoffs. (laughs) A very respectful one. That's good, because sometimes JVG can just, like, lay it out there. Like, he will just be like, yeah, no, that's not happening. (laughs) Mark uh, Jones is a great optimist. Mark Jones always finds 
the right thing to say, the nice thing to say. He's great. He's one of the good ones. He's re- he's very good on TV. I like JVG too. So you know, I'll be. I'm I'm one of the JVG believers. Um, do we have anything else we want to touch on? I feel like we've we've hit on a lot. I, I have to figure out how much I have to edit here. So, <laughs> uh, um, in a hypothetical first round matchup, is it going to be TNT? We at least get a yes broadcast too, right? Imagine their NBA TV t- <laughs> series. No, the no NBA way. would never. It's definitely a TNT one, right? It has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, is. it is. Get my boy Reggie Miller. It's gonna be great. I don't mind Reggie as much. I do. He's not that bad, man. Look, right, he's he's fine. He's like a you know he's uh he's like the Malcolm Brogdon of announcers, like right just sure. solidly average. Sure Lakers, yeah, we want to do five minutes on the Lakers because I think it's a podcast requirement at this point. <laughs> what is it? Five minutes on the Lakers. It is objectively crazy they miss. Like I've had a couple moments from like, dude, they actually missed the playoffs. <laughs> like we were sitting here. LeBron, playing... LeBron averaged thirty. <laughs> It's like insane. Woj tweeted they fired Vogel two minutes after their game. Two two minutes. It was, that's, okay. he, had, he waited four months after he actually knew. Like the Nets had like David Duke Jr. and Kessler Edwards and like Patty Mills running point guard and like made the playoffs. <laughs> they had that for like a stretch of games. Like the Lakers had LeBron. I know he was injured, but like they just missed. Like that was the every preview was What's Nets Lakers gonna look like? What do we think of this matchup? And it's like, they didn't make the play. All right, we gotta stop. Alec, we gotta stop because Alec asked that question ironically, and now we're actually about to do five minutes on the Lakers. I, I will do it. It's insane. Austin Reeves had a thirty point triple double in this final game. Like yeah, well, there is clearly some talent somewhere on that team. Oh yeah, no Malik. Malik is awesome. LeBron, AD, Malik, Reeves, and like Wayne Ellington, man. Whatever. We don't have to do this. All right, guys. Why doesn't Vogel just quit? Like, he knew. I would quit if I were him. Or a mutual parting of ways. Kenny. Hopefully they give him that. I have Kenny talk once we we end it. Is this this Kings? Are you saying you should go to the Kings? I wouldn't want that for him. Uh, All right, guys. Where can uh, can the people find you? Alec. I'm... Surprise, surprise. I'm on Nets Daily. And I have a big, fun piece coming out in the next week that I'm really excited to talk to some people about and then write it. And I'm excited for people to read it. Maybe it'll be multiple pieces, but it's fun stuff. Nice. Nice. Lucas? I'm not writing as much these days. I'm very blessed to be working with Sports Info Solutions. Um, And when I do write, though, it'll be on my Twitter, Lucas Kaplan, my name, probably mostly on Nets Daily. And before I go, I just want to give a shout out to a friend, someone I'm very best to call a friend. And who I've gotten to play with and see a very up close the last four years. And that is Veronica Burton, likely going to be drafted tonight in the WNBA draft and just going to have a great career. And I'm just really happy for her. So I wanted to shout her out. Damn shouts. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, I love a shout. We should do more shout outs on here. Um, you can find me Matt Brooks, NBA. Uh, everything's there. Um, and definitely subscribe to this podcast, the Clear Out Podcast, on whatever streaming platform you use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the other ones. That's the only two that I usually list. Um, Thank you guys for joining me, and it sounds like we're going to reconnect for a Celtics preview, so that'll be probably the one that people are... Maybe, if you guys are down. The Matt Brooks Brooks jinx is alive and well. Twice in a week? Look, I said they'd win by double digits. Like, I can't be like, well, I think they're going to lose. Like, I've, I was, I've only given confidence here in the Nets.
Okay, is... I'll see you guys in a week for the off-season preview pod. <laughs> One way or another, we're potting. All right, sounds good. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.